For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. In 2005, I was on summer staff at Quanos. And I remember that summer early on, uh, sort of before the campers all arrived, we were, we were working together as a staff, and uh, there was one girl on staff whose personality just irritated me uh, to no end. There were times that it was just, I would find myself cringing, or if she began to talk loudly in a room, I, I, I would have to exit just because I was so annoyed. And, and uh, full disclosure, that's not about her, that's about me. Uh, and so I, as we were worshiping one night all together as a staff team, I remember just being really convicted about my attitude towards her and um, really just frustrated in my behavior. And so um, God had brought me to a place of, of repenting. And so while we're worshiping, I'm just repenting of, of my attitude towards her and realizing that I need to show her grace and love. And, uh, and then we went into communion. And I, I really liked how we did it, where when we were ready to receive communion, we would just simply put out our hands. Uh, close their eyes, and someone else from the circle would see that, and they would take the communion, uh, and they would walk it over, and they would serve you. And so there's something about uh, putting your hands out of, of needing to be served, and someone else serving you. And so, sure enough, I put my hands out, thinking about how um, I needed to do better with her and, and, and show her grace and compassion. And I put my hands out and open my eyes as the elements were being placed in them. And sure enough, who was putting the communion in my hands but her? Uh, and God just kind of broke me again in that moment and humbled me. And uh, I'm just so thankful that uh, God has more grace towards me than I had towards her. And so, so that was a, a significant moment in my life of, of just, again, uh, the importance of, of re relationships with other people, especially those within the church. Um, and that relationships matter to God because if that relationship was strained, it would have compromised our witness to those kids that, that summer. If kids had seen that, that we couldn't get along and that there was tension there, it would have said something about the reality of the gospel. And so I had to take ownership of that and ma make it right. Um, we pick up the text here once again in the uh, Gospel of Matthew. We're still in the Sermon on the Mount. We're in Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 21. You've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. Um, referring here to, uh, to obviously the Ten Commandments, um, there's also, in addition to the Ten Commandments, there's the 613 other laws. We talked about those uh, yesterday, the, the civil, the ceremonial, and the moral. Um, but there were also what was known as the Mishnah, and those were the, the, the rabbinic teachings uh, sort of in addition of, of how to apply the Old Testament laws. It was an interpretation, but the, the Mishnah was really important at that time as well as the, the sort of the religious teachers' teachings on what the laws meant, and it was almost like boundary walls around the law so you didn't get too close to them. Like, you, you know, the Sabbath, honor the Sabbath. And, and, and so the Mishnah would say, you know, what you could do, therefore, on the Sabbath and how far you could walk and sort of what constituted work and what didn't. Uh, verse 22. But I say to you, so, so Jesus is trying to um, come up against the, the current understanding of the Old Testament laws. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. Um, angry there, I, I like in, in Greek the word is, is ogre, which is where we get ogre from. Um, it's, uh, this anger is a desire for retribution, for, um, for revenge. It's impulsive. It's wrathful. Um, and so, the, so there is there's the sin of, of not just murder, but even having that kind of wrath in your mind towards someone else. But he also then goes on to say, uh, 
this idea of, of insulting others. Uh, raka, it's the Greek word which, which means good for nothing or empty-headed. And, and so it's not just uh, having anger towards someone, it's what you say with your words. Where if you, And I think raka here is implied to their face. When you're insulting someone to their face, when you're angry and you're putting them down uh, to their face. But then also he says, um, in the same way, anyone who says you fool or moros in the Greek, morons. And I think what, what, what's going on here is, is, yes, there's insults to someone's face, but there's also a mocking behind their backs. This is gossip. This is slander. And he's putting all of these things in the same category as murder, anger, insults, gossip. Um, and when he says the hell of fire, he's talking there uh, about a place outside the city called Gehenna. Gehenna was the garbage dump. It was lit on fire. It was once in a place of, of pagan worship. Um, and, and he's using it as a metaphor for the, the coming judgment, that the eternal judgment that, that often happens. So it sort of means both of those things. Uh, verse 23. So, if you were offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. If you're, if you're worshiping, if you're calling yourself a Christian and you realize that you've wronged someone, he says, leave your altar, run from the church, get out of church and go and make it right. Uh, it brings to mind a passage in Amos where God says, listen, I don't care about the, the worship music. I don't care about the drums or the cymbals or the songs. Instead, go and let justice roll down. Go and, 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 and be part of mercy. Go and make it right. Um, and so, so if you've wronged someone, the imperative here is to take the initiative and make it right. Then verse 25, Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard, and you be put in prison. Truly, I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. Here we have imagery of, of a lawsuit um, where you're in court. Uh, and, and I think, again, Jesus is, is coming at this in a different category where um, with your accuser, it's, it's someone else's a problem with you. So earlier we saw if you have an issue with someone else or if you've wronged someone, go and make it right. But this is if someone has an issue against you and someone is accusing you, you might sort of say, you know what, it's their problem. They need to deal with it. If they have a problem with me. That's not my deal. That's them. Um, but he's saying here, if you have an accuser, then you need to make that right as well. Just because you don't think it's a big deal doesn't make it so. Both when you've wronged others or when others feel wronged by you. So what does all of this mean? As he's talking about, uh, and not just being about not murdering someone, which was the interpretation of the Pharisees, which was uh, relationally, as long as I'm not killing someone else, then, then we're fine, I'm holy and righteous. And Jesus says, no, it's not that at all, but rather it comes back to our heart. And, and what we're seeing here in this passage on, on murder and anger is what really matters to God is our relationships to each other. And we're not talking about uh, your friends people that you like and maintaining those relationships. We are talking about those nails on the chalkboard kind of people where your personalities clash, like the girl in 2005 where we were never going to be best friends. Um, but that didn't mean that relationship wasn't important and the way that, we, that I treated her, the way that I talked about her. There is such a thing 
Uh, it's clear in the Bible, such a thing as righteous anger. And Jesus is angry at times. We see that really clearly when he goes into the temple and he starts flipping over tables. Uh, he's got a whip. He is angry. But, but the anger is towards injustice. It's towards uh, cheating people and, 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 and really distorting worship. When it comes to anger, righteous anger versus unrighteous anger, I think it's all about the source. What are you angry about? Um, I think sinful angry, anger is, is about our things not getting our own way, our own pride being wounded, things getting in, in the way of what we want and we're angry because we feel affronted. That's sinful anger, which puts us at the center of the universe and everything has to revolve around me. And if it doesn't, then I'm angry. Righteous anger revolves around God. Uh, around around sin, around holiness, and what are the things that anger God? And, 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 and even in that kind of righteous anger, getting angry about the sinfulness and the deception in the world and, and injustice and brokenness and slavery and trafficking, even in that anger, we're told not to sin, but to allow that anger be a fuel towards righteous work, towards, towards making a difference about bringing justice. And so there is such thing as righteous anger. And so the question, I think, coming out of the text is, for us is, is kind of the question, who? Who do we find ourselves insulting or demeaning? Who have issues with us or who do we have issues with? Those relationships matter. And, and you might feel justified um, in your anger towards someone else, in, you know, in, in your disdain for someone else. You might feel justified. But then, again, you keep coming back to we love because he first loved us. And we look at our own sin, our own brokenness, our own actions that we are not wholly apart from the work of Jesus in our life. And so God is totally justified in his anger towards us. But he doesn't show anger to us. He shows us mercy. He shows us love and compassion. And God here says that our attitude towards other people matters to him. Why does it matter? I think because... Um, our love for other people and the way that we treat each other, particularly those who are different than us, within the church especially, is a witness to the power of the gospel in our lives. And John, we're told that by this will all people know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another, if, if the outside world sees us within the church infighting and bitter, insulting, mocking each other, let alone other people, does it really show the gospel is, is true and making a difference in our lives? Or are we no different than everyone else? But when we can be different people and, and not necessarily all, uh, <clears throat> all instant friends, but if we can love and serve each other and, and, and have healthy relationships, even with crazy diversity, um, it speaks something about the truth and the power of the gospel. So, who? Is it for you that you need to go and make it right with, whether it's something that you have towards them or something they have towards you? Who do you need to, to make it right with? Is there insulting? Is there gossip? Is there slander? Is there anger? Who is it for you? Um, and that might seem like a pretty difficult question, but I, I really like what to Martin Lloyd-Jones uh, encourages us and says to us as we picture that person, as we see them, Perhaps there's this feeling of anxiety of, oh, I really don't want to have to deal with this. Here's what he says. I must humble myself, make a fool of myself as it were, and let the other person gloat over me if necessary, as long as I've done everything I can to remove the barrier between us. 
our relationships with other people, especially those with whom we don't get along. They matter to God. So who is that for you? Let's pray. Jesus, I pray that you would help us first and foremost just continue to be humbled by the grace and the love that's undeserved that you've poured out on us. And may that um, give us these, these soft hearts to then turn and love others, to extend that same grace and that same mercy, and that the world would see the love we have for other people and may it point them to you. Humble us in that, God. We lift all this up in your mighty name. Amen. Well, I hope you're having a great week. Uh, Let us know if there's anything we can do to help and walk alongside you in this season. Love you. Take care.